Section 42 of Essays on Art. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jordan Abrams, Ellicott City, Maryland. Essays on Art by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Translated by Samuel Gray Ward. Section 42. aphorisms for the consideration of friends and opponents he who would write or dispute about art at the present time ought to have some notion of what philosophy has accomplished in our day and is still accomplishing he who would reproach an author with obscurity ought first to make an examination of himself to be sure that he is inwardly clear a very clear hand may not be legible by twilight he who would dispute should make cautious use of the occasion to say things that cannot be disputed. He who disputes maxims ought to be capable of exhibiting them in a clear light so as to fight within this light, and not place himself in the position of combating his own air-drawn fancies. The obscurity of some maxims is only relative. It is not possible to make clear to the hearer everything that may be useful to him who puts them in practice. An artist may produce excellent works, and yet not always be able to give an account of his own or others' works. Nature and idea cannot be separated without destroying art as well as life. When artists speak of nature, idea is always understood, without their being clearly conscious of it. So is it with all who prize experience exclusively. They forget that experience is only the half of experience. First we hear of nature, and the imitation thereof. Then we suppose a beautiful nature. We must choose, but still the best, but how to recognize it? according to what standard shall we choose and where is the standard then is not it also in nature and supposing the subject to be given say the fairest tree in the forest such as even the forester should acknowledge to be perfect in its kind now to change the tree into a picture i must go about it to select the fairest side I step to a sufficient distance to take it in perfectly with my eye. I wait for a favorable light, and now how much of the natural tree shall be transferred to the paper? The uninitiated may believe that the artist behind the scenes of his trade should be more enlightened. That very thing that strikes the uncultivated as nature in a work of art is not nature outward, but man inward nature. We know no world but in relation to man. We will have no art except it be an expression of this relation. He who first banished to the horizon of the picture the points of aim for the manifold play of horizontal lines discovered the principle of perspective. He who first developed the harmony of colors out of the systole and diastole to which the retina is formed this syncresis and diacresis, as Plato would call it, was the discoverer of the principles of coloring. Seek within yourself, and you will find everything, 
and rejoice that without, as it may be always called, there lies a nature that says yeah and amen to all you have discovered in yourself. Many things may be discovered and made known for a long time without producing any effect on the world, or the effect may be wrought without its being observed, wrought and yet not take hold of the multitude. This is the reason why the history of inventions is so surrounded with strange riddles. It is as hard to learn a thing from models as from nature. The form requires as thorough elaboration as the material, nay, much more thorough. Many a one has studied after the antique, and yet not wholly entered into its spirit. Is he to be reproached with this? A higher standard, even if it be not fully attained, is better than a lower one, whose demands are entirely satisfied. The dry simplicity, the hard strength, the timid correctness, and other similar characteristics of the ancient German school belong naturally to every early and simple period of art. The old Venetians, Florentines, etc., had all the same qualities. And are we Germans then only to esteem ourselves original when we do not raise ourselves above these beginnings? Because the incomparable talent of Albert Dürer did not suffice to raise him to the idea of the beauty of proportion, nor even of suitable adaptation, must we too always stick to the ground? Albert Dürer's advantage lay in his deep inward realizing intuition, his lovely human sympathy with every present subject. He was injured by a cloudy, formless, groundless fancy. How Martin Schoen stands near him, and how German achievement then became narrowed, were interesting to show, and it would be useful to prove that in those times it was not evening all day long. But yet in the Italian schools the butterfly did come out of the chrysalis. Shall we forever crawl about like caterpillars because some northern artists find their account in it? When Klopstock has freed us from rhyme, and Voss has given us models in prosody, shall we go back and make a doggerel like Hans Sachs? Let us then be many-sided. Markische Rübchen are good, especially mixed with chestnuts, and these two noble fruits grow far asunder. In our miscellaneous writings, allow us eastern and southern figures no less than western and northern. Man is only many-sided when he strives after the highest, because he must in earnestness, and descends to the lesser when he will, i.e. to sportiveness. End of section 42